This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 3, Episode 10. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, sponsored and brought to you by XS Sites. Today is August 11th, 2021 as we record this, and it's going to be a bit of a fun role reversal format today. Today, I am your host, Jacob Paulson, and I have a guest here with me today. You've probably heard of him. His name is Riley Bowman. Welcome, Riley. Yeah, I, I'm not even co-host. I am guest. You're guest today. You don't even get co-host controls. <laughs> You talk when I tell you to talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so it's a role reversal, and we're doing that because today we're playing our game show. We've played this once before when I had uh, Brian Eastridge on as a guest, and we call it Rapid Fire. So today is Rapid Fire with Riley Bowman. Let me explain the rules of the game show, and then we'll briefly mention our sponsors. Game show? I didn't, I didn't know I signed up for this. This is a game show. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no prizes. Oh, dang. You get a pat on the back when you're done if you don't screw up. Maybe I can so, get a sticker at least. <laughs> a sticker. Yep. A concealedcarry.com sticker. <laughs> Do we have stickers? You can get a Guardian Nation sticker. We have one of those. I can't remember if we have concealedcarry.com stickers. I was just look. I, I had a, a Guardian Nation one here somewhere, but yeah. you can get a Guardian me. Nation sticker. That's All right. done. If, if you complete the game show successfully. Here are the rules of the show. I have a list of questions. I have prepared in advance. Uh, Riley had no input on these questions. He has seen some of them, though I added a few after he looked that he doesn't know about. But he had no input on what the questions were. So I will be presenting these questions to Riley, and he will have no more than 60 seconds to answer any one of them. And ideally, we'd like to see shorter answers than that. Uh, Most of these will probably be answered in 30 seconds or less. But he can't give a long old explanations and disclaimers. He just has to give it to us how it is. Just boom, here's the answer. And that's how that goes. And so presuming he can do that, he'll get the the gold sticker on his forehead at the end. So that's the plan. Now, quickly, today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Foundation Belt by EDC Belt Company. The Foundation Belt is the most comfortable, awesomest EDC belt for carrying a concealed gun every day with normal clothes yeah so you can find out more about them you can find at concealedcarry.com or you can find at edcbeltco.com and also today's episode is brought to you by the hunters hd gold glasses they are shooting glasses that are to call them fancy i feel like doesn't quite do it first off there it's more like more like hardcore than fancy fancy feels too like lightish and kind of wimpy like these are these are like hardcore glasses they're serious and riley wears them uh at every time he goes shooting and at all of his competitive matches and they're very heavily involved in the competitive shooting uh industry and riley will get a chance to tell you more about them later today because i got a question on my list specifically about that so you can learn more about them. We we have some Hunter's HD Gold uh, products for sale on concealedcarry.com. Uh, in our shop, you can go there and click on eyewear or huntershdgold.com probably. I'm sure you could Google it. Yeah, it's 2021. <laughs> we expect you to be able to find a product. Actually, there, there's a link in the show notes. Concealedcarry.com forward slash Hunter's HD. Concealedcarry.com forward slash Hunter's HD. And for and high you definition. Can also, you can also, for the foundation belt, you can do concealedcarry.com forward slash foundation belt will be a direct link to the product page as well that's smart I, did you do I, that i try to make I it easy that? for people good job 
That was smart. Okay, good. Cool. All right. So with that in mind, are you ready for rapid fire, Riley? Yeah, fire away. Okay. Knock them dead. Some of these first ones are are pretty easy, but uh, don't worry. We got some tough ones lined up here. Riley Bowman, 9mm or 45 or other? 9mm. Okay. Next. Brand, favorite brand of earmuffs? These days, ready up gear, Roger 22s with the soft seal gel ear cups. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the difference maker. So that's a $70 outfit you know, with, with those two products. Um, I, I, excellent okay, job. So every person I've handed those to and like, here, try these out. They're like, I tell them ahead of time. I'm like, the audio quality on these is surprisingly good and the comfort's great. So they put them on. They're like, yeah, you're right. The audio quality is better than many, much more other expensive brands. (laughs) Yes. And it's convenient that we sell them. So that makes me feel good. Um, Best admin light and best tactical light. Admin light, the... um, Surefire, uh, is it the staccato? Yeah. Stiletto. Or stiletto. Yeah. I, similar sounding word. Uh, the stiletto. Thank you. And the uh, tack light. Oh, man, that's a that's a little tougher. Because um, I really want to join that do, mod do. light gang. I want to get one of those big, big boys. Uh, and I think those are probably the best tactical lights. Just if I'm speaking truthfully in terms of best. But the one I carry most these days is the Ready Up Gear uh, Spark. Yeah, because you're a shield and you have to because we sell those. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it, okay, so I, I found my old light from another company that's similar in size. And I remember it being the same size. It's actually a little bit bigger. Uh, the the, the uh, um, modular compact flashlight, the MCF Spark that Ready Up Gear sells, is actually smaller and is brighter and has a tighter throw. It like blows away what I used to think was a pretty cool little compact EDC light, but on all accounts, it's a great little light, huge value. Yep. Mark mentions it does. It gets a little hot after a couple of minutes. Yes. The spark is not intended for use with a 16340 battery for an extended period of time. <laughs> it gets a little toasty. Uh, best weapon men in light. Hmm. Surefire X300 or TLR1 from Streamlight. Either or. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me. You're you're no respecter of those two lights. They're both great lights. Rank the following in order of priority for everyday carry. Okay, so I'm going to give you four items and you have to determine which of these is most important to to carry on you you every day. These items are a tourniquet, Spare magazine, pepper spray, and a fixed bladed knife. Priority order. Okay. Tourniquet. Uh, I guess I'd have to go with pepper spray and then spare mag and then fixed blade knife. Okay. Tourniquet, pepper spray, spare magazine, and then the fixed bladed knife. Fixed blade knife. Yes, I can do the, that. The good thing is, we, we we don't. It doesn't have to be this or that or that, right? Like we we can sure. actually carry multiple of those things. Well, yeah, all four, no problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's the order you would prioritize them. 
that's how I would prioritize them in my life and the way I do things. One U.S. city you never want to visit. I mean, if you if you die having never gone to this city in America, you think you'll be better for it. One U.S. city I never want to visit. That's of, of any size. Doesn't matter. Um, I could never visit Rock Springs, Wyoming again, and I wouldn't care. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> okay. Well, for those who don't know the joke, that's my hometown. I was born and raised in Rock Springs. <clears throat> I so. mean, you're not missing anything by not visiting Rock Springs. Uh, and I don't think you disagree with me on that. There's some beautiful plateaus. <laughs> um, gorgeous. Okay. How about plateaus. major city? I'll give you an answer for major city. Okay. That, that major one's a little, US city. That one's a little bit tougher because like, I think there's a lot of cities that are probably interesting and and they all have various uh points of history um but i'd have to go with a major u.s city i guess over a hundred thousand is that how we'd classify major sure sure um i don't know is uh let's see let's go with let's go with Oh, people are going to hate me, but how about El Paso, Texas? El Paso, Texas. (laughs) I've been to El Paso for a number of times. I mean, opinion. Like, I don't know. I just it just came to me. So sorry, El Pasoians. (laughs) But if Riley never goes there, he won't feel bad for it. I I can't think of like. There's probably something historically about that city that's significant or something that I just don't know about. But like, I can't think of anything that would draw me to El Paso. Like San Antonio, I can see, you know, New York City, you know, like it's got reasons like whatever, you know, like Miami. I mean, I don't know. El Paso. I just can't think of anything. Fair enough. (laughs) Best concealed carry position. Appendix carry. Why? Because it's best. (laughs) Uh, Under 30 seconds. Appendix carry because... um, for me, it, it, it is a combination of security and retention, ease of access from a variety of positions and situations, uh, and it's fast and intuitive, right? Like, it's just right there. Low telegraphing, uh, easiest surreptitious draw um, as far as the traditional on-the-waist options are concerned. So, I mean, just there's just... There's many, many, many great reasons why carrying in the fr- on the front of your waist is a good option. If you had to choose between the following three options, which would you choose? Your three options are an apparel holster, off-body carry, or an ankle holster. Is this like, this is in addition to, to like where you normally carry, or this is assuming for this whatever reason? This is your reason- only gun. Okay. Ooh. Um, that's an interesting one. Okay. So if I had to choose only one of those, not apparel, that would, that'd be out, um, off body or ankle. See, like on the one hand, off body could afford me a little bit bigger, more capable gun, but ankle would be attached to me. Um, ankles compromised in the draw in some respects. But so is off body. Oh man, 
Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. Thank you. I, I think I'd have to go with um I'd go with I guess off body, like in a in a sling bag or backpack. I, I think that's what I'd have I think they're both really close to me in as far as like I could do either one. Um, but there's some aspects I don't like about ankle carry. Choose the best from the four following four options. DASA, striker fire, DA only, SA only. Striker fire, because that's what I am most familiar with. That's what I use primarily these days. But for the for most shooters, striker fire is it's just a good system. It is uh, it's it's the same trigger press every time you fire the gun, which is the same advantage of a single fire only or double action only, single action or double action only. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a, it's halfway between a single action only and a double action only, right? And a single action only, you're generally only going to find on 1911. And I don't think a 1911 is the best choice for most people. So, you know, on the double action only, eh, not very fun to shoot. So striker fired right in the middle, man. And it's, uh, it's what most popular handguns are being, or are designed around these days too. So yeah, that. Okay. Next. <laughs> Three concealed carry holster brands that you love. That I love. Mm-hmm. You love. Love them. Awesome holsters. Uh, well, first will be Filster, which is what I carry concealed with um, pretty much all the time now. The second one would have to be LAG Tactical which is what I use for outside waistband stuff, um, especially for competition use. And they, in full disclosure, they are a sponsor, a personal sponsor of mine in, in the competitive shooting sports. Um, a third one that I love. Hmm. Good question. There, there are good options out there. Uh, I can't think of a third good holster. Well, so, so here's the thing. I guess I'll tell the truth about something. Um, I, I'm going to say keeper's concealment, but I've never actually worn a keeper's concealment for an extended period of time. But I know it's a quality holster and it's made by a man that I respect. And I'd like to try one out at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But we sell them on our website and I know they're a great quality, comfortable, well-concealed holster. What gun did you carry 10 years ago? Springfield XDM 45 Compact. 2011 Springfield XD 45. Why is Idaho so great, but yet Wyoming is better? Well, because the pioneers, had they liked what they saw in Wyoming, they would have stayed there. Instead, they kept pushing <laughs> onward. <laughs> And I guess you could use the same logic. Well, then they kept kept going on to Oregon and California, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Idaho is awesome because it's uh, it's grown a lot in the last you know decade or so, but it's still relatively low pe- population. It has just about anything that you could possibly want, you know, outdoors wise. Uh, has all four seasons uh, of weather, which I I think is great. 
um, beautiful mountains, beautiful trees and forests and hills and lakes and rivers and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's shaped like a gun. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Something you changed your mind about relative to guns and self-defense in the last five years. Hmm. In five years, something I've changed my mind about. That's that's a good one. I, I I kind of expected that would come up, and we've certainly asked that question of people we've had on as guests before. Uh, and, and it's a great question because it's one that can always change and evolve with the individual as they change and grow. And I would expect that a question or an answer to a question like that would change as a person should be expected to continue to grow in their knowledge and experience and so forth. Um, I would say that uh, something that's changed, um, I'll go with some related to something self-defense related would be uh, in five years, man, how about I go with shooting then? How about that? Uh, Just how important vision is. I know that's not like a very specific answer, but like what, you know, we, we tend to get so wrapped around the axle with a specific gun or gear we're using or so, so wrapped around about, you know, whether it's a grip or a trigger thing or whatever, but your vision is so important. Like you can't shoot faster than what you can see. And so the, like the number one factor that helps us to shoot like what, what we can always do better and faster so we can shoot faster is actually see and focus on that thing that we're trying to shoot sooner. And I wish I had understood that five years ago. Mm-hmm. One trainer other than you that everyone should take a class from. Rob Latham. So probably yeah. why like I, there's many trainers and I, and I hate to leave any of my friends out and guys I've trained with, but like he is the goat. He's the greatest of all time. He's the best ever. That's that we, that, that we know of in history to shoot a handgun. So why would you not want to train under him? And I've had that pleasure a few times and I have enjoyed every moment of it. And I have learned so much from him. I have much to thank him for. The one thing you would change about law enforcement today, if you could only change one thing. More training. Uh, that, that's, that's an easy one. Law enforcement needs more training in a, a ton of disciplines and uh, areas of their job. Um, all of the issues people are concerned about that, you know, in this last year or two, as people have been talking about defunding the police and all these issues and blah, blah, blah. I mean, like all of that could be solved with greater resources put into the training of our officers on our streets. That's and I'm not the best. talking about shooting. I'm, I'm talking about communication skills, de-escalation skills, uh, hand-to-hand Defensive techniques and combative skills, uh, the whole gamut, all of that. 
they don't get nearly enough training. They get just enough that their higher ups think that's good enough to avoid liability or to minimize liability, but they really need more. What is the best gun or self-defense related app on your phone? Oh, interesting. I'd have to go with the range tech shot timer app because it runs my favorite shot timer. And, uh, and I, I, it gets used for me, it gets used more than my other favorite app, which is the concealed carry gun tools app. I mean, you probably have a lot of apps too. Cause I mean, I, like I know you, you, uh, the practice score competitor app is one you probably use often. That's yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, also, like for ballistics information, the Strelock Pro app is pretty rad too. And I've used that a bunch, uh, particularly when in my three gun days. Mm-hmm. Very handy. Yep. Uh, is the Tacoma a truck or not? Well, first we have to define truck. And coming from a family of truckers, meaning my mother and my stepfather both drove semi trucks for part of their career, or in the case of my stepdad, pretty much all of his career. Uh, And so making my trucker heritage proud, a a truck is a truck, and that is not a pickup. So a Tacoma is not a truck in that, just like my F-350 technically is not a truck. They are pickups. So we have a vocabulary (laughs) conflict here. So does the Tacoma qualify as a pickup? Technically, yes. <laughs> Technically, yes. Is it on the same plane as my F-350? No. <laughs> uh, do you carry with the round of the chamber? Yes, of course. Why wouldn't and you? And would you if you had a 1911 or any other comments about how that might change if you're firing Yeah. Cocked and locked, baby. <laughs> round and chamber safety on, yeah. Safety on, round chamber safety on. That's interesting that you would ask specifically about like if it would change with a 1911 or not. Like, well, I think the the what I wanted to hear you say was safety on. I think that's the takeaway there is that with 19 what changes with the 1911. I think for me tangibly is that you know I want to I want a safety and safety better be on right. Well, if, yeah, yes. If you have, I would say with the exception of a gun like a like a DASA gun, like a Beretta 92. But like, if you've got a, any, anything other than a, than a gun where the first trigger press is a double action, if it has a safety, you should be using it. So regardless of 1911 or not, like if you carry a P365 with the, the, the safety, the manual safety model, well, you should be using that manual safety on it. But Yeah. A non-gun related podcast you subscribe to? Hmm. Ooh, interesting. Uh. Ooh. Oh, what's the name of it? Um. Shoot. I, I listen to a bunch, and I've got a bunch in my library. So, uh, I just want to make sure I give the name correctly. So I'm going to my library right now. Uh, I'd have to go with. So non-gun related. The. Uh, uh boy. Boy, I got a bunch. I really like. You know what? Let's do this one. Hot Zone with Chuck Holton. That is an awesome podcast. Chuck Holton is a like career long uh journalist, course, you know, news correspondent 
uh, guy. Uh, he's spent a lot of time in war zones and overseas and in various interesting locations in his career. So he has a broad, uh, a broad experience that he brings to his show. And it's, it, it, he talks about a lot of different issues and it's every time it's all very interesting to me. It's a very fascinating podcast. So that's hot zone with Chuck Holton. A podcast that uh, that is firearm related. That's not one that we. That's part of our network that you would recommend. Hmm. Uh, the American Warrior Show. That's an easy one. I mean, there's several really good ones out there, but but that is like Mike Seeklander and and Mike Aaron, uh, uh Rich Brown. Rich Brown. Jeez. Uh, I kept wanting to say Mike Brown for whatever reason. Obviously, Mike Seeklander and Rich Brown. Uh, top-notch content, top-quality stuff, and, and a broader range of topics than you would expect at times. I mean, sometimes they, sometimes it's health and nutrition-related or medical-related. Um, a lot of shooting stuff, too. But, yeah, really great podcast. One handgun you strongly suggest nobody buys for self-defense. Ooh. For self-defense. Yeah. Do not buy this gun for anything related to self-defense. Bond arms. The <laughs> the two-barreled Derringer style. Like, yeah. like so 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 and, and here's the reasons why. Um there's a heavy size or weight to size ratio. They're very heavy for the for their size. Um their ergonomics are not very good. And you're limited to two shots. And they're not very accurate at all. So, yeah. It's that or the Taurus Judge. But the Taurus Judge, I would say, is a bit better than than the Bond Arms, Derringer things. Um, because you can actually shoot... Well, you can get a, a Bond Arms in 45 Colt. But you can shoot 45 cold out of a Taurus Judge and at least you get five rounds. So it wins in, it, on basis of that, but barely. <laughs> this is a tough hypothetical because it would it's obviously just not really ever going to happen. But imagine if every concealed carry in America was forced to carry just one, the same make and model gun, right? Like So like having a permit meant you had to carry... Ooh. X gun. What would that gun be? Like if everyone had to carry the same gun, if 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 you could just rec- if you had to recommend one gun for all concealed carriers, what's that gun? Ooh, that is a really interesting question. Wow, I did not expect that one. Um if everybody had to carry just one model of gun. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're gonna eliminate all guns out there and just manufacture one handgun for now on. Uh, what what would it be? Hmm. Uh, I would say, boy, I could almost put, I mean, I, I, I want to say the Glock 19, but I recognize that there would be those that would be challenged in carrying that. Um, the P365, I would say, or something similar to the P365 in size. So you, so you can lump with that the Hellcat or whatever. Shield Plus, maybe. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
I would say that's a, a little too small to expect that that's what everybody should carry and use. So I think you kind of have to go in the middle and I'd say P365 XL uh, because, and I speak of that from coming from a guy that has pretty large hands, right? But I can shoot the, the P365 XL quite well and manageably. Uh, and it's going to be a nice size for those with smaller hands and it's just small enough, I think, that people can actually be expected to have a good chance to conceal it well. Uh, I would say the Glock 48 or 43X, but honestly, those the grips on those are a bit longer and a bit bigger. And so I gotta I gotta throw it to the uh, P365XL. I think it has the the I think it's the the right sweet spot that just about anybody could carry that, conceal it, and also shoot it pretty effectively. How do you feel about expanded slash universal background check legislation and why or why do you not support it? I think it should be banished. (laughs) Why don't I support it? I don't support expanded or universal background checks because all of that's based around a system that has to work and has to be flawless and the system isn't. So what's the point in expanding things or making things universal in that regard? Uh, But bigger, the bigger issue than that is that what does it solve? And it doesn't like, if the goal is to prevent crime with guns, then universal background checks don't accomplish that. There is zero evidence in all the time that we have had background checks of any kind for firearms that they have, that there's been a a result, a positive result in reduction of crime. Uh, Everybody knows like criminals are going to criminal. So like if we're going after crimes and criminals, then we need to institute policies. I believe that actually go after criminals you know, it's, it's the law abiding that comply with things like background checks. What's the one dry fire tool you could not live without? Dry fire tool. Ah, uh, Ooh, that's a good one that I could, could not live without. Yep. If I'm going to, I'm going to take away all your dry fire crap and leave it with just one thing. That's the only thing you're allowed to use for the next 12 months. What is it? So, so that's the thing. Like, the beauty of dry fire is that I, I can do it with just my gun. Um, I don't really need a lot. I'd have to say, and I consider this to be a dry fire tool, I'd have to say it'd be a shot timer. Mm. Uh, so if you took away my shot timer, then I'd be, I, you know, that, that, would, that would be really difficult. I could still do dry fire. I just wouldn't be able to do it in the way I do it currently as effectively. Um, I could have thrown, you know, something out like the cert pistol or something, but I could do without that. And they're great to have. They're great tools. Um, other dry fire tools are all great, but the one, if I have my, my, my fire gun that I have unloaded and made safe and I'm following all safety protocols and I have a shot timer, there pretty much isn't anything that I can't do. What is, in your opinion, the most dangerous anti-gun legislation you've seen to date or that you've seen proposed or that's been passed? Mm. 
Google. Oh, wow. We've seen some pretty ridiculous things. So you could mention one of those things, or you might think of something that's a little bit more, more mainstream and, and, you know, exists maybe in some states. Huh? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, Hmm. Most dangerous. I mean, Like currently right now, and this is not necessarily legislation, but it could become so. But the ATF, you know, has been wanting to, they've, they've proposed that uh, a set of rules that modifies how firearms are defined. And, that you know, that's kind of on the, the roadmap as of right now with the ATF open for comments. And like that, I think, is an incredibly dangerous, slippery slope. We're on because I mean, essentially, I think that could be taken to define so many things as firearms, and um, that could be used in in very dangerous ways to limiting Second Amendment rights. Of the various shooting skills or fundamentals, which do you think is the most important or foundational? Yeah. So, oh man. If we're sticking to the like the traditional fundamentals, I'd say grip. Uh, that grip is something that most people do wrong and don't do strongly enough for the type of shooting they're trying to do. But outside of that, and it kind of goes back to what I, one thing I've changed my mind about in the last five years, and I, I would include this as like a, a fundamental of sorts. I guess you said skills, shooting skills. But paying more attention to what you actually see and what you are actually looking at and what you're focused on when you're shooting. Like So the vision component of shooting, again, it, I, I'm of the belief it is the most important underappreciated skill um, that's out there like because we tend to not give it enough um, respect because we just think that oh I just look at the target or I look at my sights and I align the two like we just don't like we're so used to just going about our daily lives and looking at everything in our world we don't think about how we look at things and once you start analyzing how and what you actually are paying attention to visually then you can start unlocking some of the power of what you can do with a gun in your hand. What is your all-time favorite pistol to shoot? P320X5, as built by Grey Guns. And and yeah, I'm sponsored by Grey Guns. And yeah, I'm a quote-unquote SIG fanboy, as some people have called me. But I love the way the gun shoots. I mean, it's awesome. I just shot it in a major match a few days ago. And like the gun runs awesome. I I personally can shoot better. I, I can perform better and and I hope to in my next major match. But but the gun itself ran like like a champ. Shot awesome. Yeah, the uh the P320 with the gray guns trigger in it. I mean, I just measured my trigger with my uh trigger pole weight thingy, and it's two and a half pounds now that's on my competition gun like that's 
that's crazy, right? Like there's tons of 1911s out there that don't have two and a half pound triggers. They're like four and four and a half pound triggers. So like it's a very smooth, even two and a half pounds you apply to that and it goes bang. Uh, and, and the gun cycles and returns back to target more predictably than anything else I've shot to this point for me. Best concealed carry belt. And can I expand on that just a brief moment? Oh, you want to go back to say, your X5? I just want to say what I just said about, and it returns back to target more consistently than anything else I've shot to this point for me. That is one of those vision things that I'm talking about. Recognizing when your gun is the sooner you recognize that your gun's back on target and ready to be fired again, the sooner you can shoot and the sooner you can predictably shoot. And people want to know, like, this is the big question, the age old question. How do I shoot faster with good accuracy? Or how do I get, you know, maintain accuracy and get faster at shooting my gun? The secret is recognizing when the gun is back on target sooner or being able to predict when it's going to be back on target based on a whole bunch of things. I can't get into the details right now. Like that is the magic sauce. If, if, if you want to su- suggest there is such a thing to shooting, but it's very vision related because you until just you, lost rec- your star. You, just, you went over 60 seconds. Okay. Well, un- until you recognize when that happens, you, no. you don't, you don't get faster and more accurate. Good stuff, but you still don't get a sticker. Best concealed carry belt. Uh, the foundation belt, EDC belt company. Good yes. Thing. Brian's watching. So he would have been angry. Best duty belt. Oh, uh, interesting question. So, and I, man, I can't even remember the brand of the one I ran back when I was doing such things. Um, Probably a safari. I, I land. think it was a safari land. I think, yeah. but I could be wrong. <laughs> so I'll say safari land. <laughs> yeah, pretty good market share. Um, I'd have to go look at that thing, man. It's been gathering dust for a while. <laughs> <clears throat> Riley, what is a high capacity magazine? Uh, anything greater than a standard capacity magazine? <laughs> nice dodge. Name three firearm instructors that have been influential to you as a shooter. You already mentioned Rob Latham, so I'm going to black that one out and say you can't mention him again. So, uh, Mike Seeklander. Uh, oh, you said three, right? So you, you included Rob Latham. Yeah, I mean, I'd still include Mike. <sighs> now we start getting a lot, like there's been a lot of influential instructors. Um, and again, I don't want to like, offend any of my dear friends uh that too bad you can only name two more that are mentors and 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 uh instructors you know of mine and um influential to me hmm i'll go with matt little uh and man i'm sorry scott i'm sorry tim uh i said you could name three other than rob oh other than rob Right. We blocked Rob out. So Sorry, Mike, Matt, and, and you get one more. 
Yeah. And Matt, because of our long chats and conversations, and that's just been very helpful to me in guiding, uh, guiding me. Ah, man, but still it comes down to like Scott Jelinski or Tim Heron. And like, that's, that's, that's hard, brother. That's hard to leave one of those guys out. So, so you just cheated. You named four. So I just, just, I just named them. So you guys know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cheated. Um, your favorite drill to run at the range. You know what? Th- those are bonus and bo- bonus influential instructors. I just remembered I got to put Brian Enos on there. So it's, let's say Rob Latham, Matt Little and Brian Enos. There you go. And Scott and Tim, I love you. Cheater. <laughs> But it's true because uh, Brian Enos's book has been massively influential to me. And I no, should have read it. About, we're going to talk I about books read that later. a long time ago. Yeah. We're going to more, more. We have book questions on this. Oh, list. goody. Yeah. Uh, what did I just say? I asked you a question. Oh, your favorite drill to run at the range? Bill drill. Laser aiming devices on defensive handguns, good or bad? Contextually dependent, but for most people, not necessary. I wouldn't classify as good nor bad, just not necessary for most people in most contexts. Uh, your go-to safety glasses? Uh, Hunter's HD Gold. Yes. Why? This is your chance. Okay, so the big thing that Brian over, you know, the owner of Hunter's HD Gold over there, and like I remember meeting him just over a year ago, and he's like, look, the, um, the, the, these glasses will be the perfect for any lighting that you're going to, any lighting conditions that you're going to experience. And I remember, see, up to that point, I had clear glasses and I had tinted glasses. So if it was really bright, I'm wearing tinted. If it was not, or indoors, I'm wearing clear. And like that was kind of a frustrating thing for me. So that was very appealing to me. So I can wear one pair of glasses and work in all lighting conditions. And it's true. Like I, I've worn those driving at night. Like that's how well you can see with them. But at the same time, worn them on bright, bright, sunny days in the desert. No problem. Okay. I mean, they are photochromatic or photochromic or whatever the right terminology is. So they, they, they darken with brighter light and so on and so forth. Right. So there's that advantage. Um, but then the the color, see, I've always been attracted to tinted lenses that have sort of a brownish tone. These are yellow, gold, right, colored. Um, so so they, they enhance colors the same way that I already prefer to see them. Here's the thing. Hunter's HD Gold Glasses, I've never shot with anything that I liked more. They, they enhance uh, contrast of targets so I can see them better, which helps me shoot better. And they work in any condition of light. That's a huge, huge, like I can't overstate how important that is. Which shooting match of the year is your favorite to attend? USPSA Nationals. I mean, it's the biggest event. Uh, I'm only going there for my second time later this year. And like it is the ultimate of shooting, practical shooting tests. I mean, the best shooters in the world in the U.S., uh, so arguably there are some in the world that are not there that are, that are very, 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 very good, but it is the ultimate test. So I am not satisfied by like some people would choose answer that question be like, well, 
such and such match was the most fun match. Therefore, it's my favorite because they had the coolest props or this or that. But for me, I get my satisfaction out of proving myself against the standards in the in the sport and and where you do that at is that is that a major match like nationals something that's related to concealed carry that you're embarrassed to admit you did well the first pistol i ever carried concealed was a high point not the nine millimeter version the 380 version and you want to hear my reasoning why i bought that one besides the fact it was like $10 cheaper is because it looked slightly cooler because the nine millimeter version was all black, but the 381 had like the, the silver, like, I mean, it was just, it was just uncoated steel, but like, it was like two tone. Right. So I was like the 380 ACP high point pistol CW 380 or whatever they call it. CP, something like that in an uncle Mike's holster. But, you know, I was like barely 21 years of age, uh, just got a, a concealed carry permit, didn't know crap. I mean, I grew up grew up around guns. I hunted. I knew how to shoot. And guess what? That's where a lot of people start. And you don't know what you don't know. And it's embarrassing. But guess what? You learn and you grow up and you move on. Do you still have the gun? No. Sold it to my friend. Yeah. I think he still has it. The biggest mistake people make in USPSA. Hmm. Biggest like, mistake. Consistently. Me. Like if you could give one piece of advice to, that would have a, a massive impact on a lot of USPSA competitors. That's an interesting question. Thank you. Uh, it's interesting because I, I haven't really thought about that spec- specific question. What, like what is the biggest mistake people make in USPSA shooting? Um, I, I think it could be equated to a similar mistake that's made in the defensive shooting arts, if you want to call it that. Um, and that is the, that is gear chasing, right? That thinking, and in USPSA, it might even be a little bit of like division chasing. What do I mean by that? It's, well, I'm, I, I could be better than I am if I had XYZ thing or gun. Or, ooh, I could be better if I shot open division instead of production, right? Thinking that the gun, that the arrow is going to make you, the Indian, somehow better. And that's the biggest fallacy. What hollow points do you carry in your gun? Federal HSTs. Your favorite gun-related YouTube channel? Not the one we're broadcasting on right now. That you can't you can't say that. Gun related YouTube channel. That's another good one. Um hmm, because there's there's many I could put on that list. And I kind of go in uh you know, I kind of go in like cycles, if you will. Like I'll tend to sort of binge certain things and just kind of depending what where my mind is uh, as of late. So right now I'd have to say it's the it's uh, Ben Stager's YouTube channel. I've been binge watching a lot of the practical shooting training group podcast episodes or practical shooting after dark or whatever he calls it. Yeah. Practical shooting after dark. 
so that, you know, my mind has been focused there a little bit more as of late. Like I'm talking like the last two weeks. So I've been like watching a ton of those. Um, in two weeks, that'll probably be different. What is your favorite collector or antique firearm? Yeah, maybe if you could own one gun, you know, what would it be kind of idea? I'd love to have an original Thompson submachine gun, World War II era, fully automatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a vision. Uh, do you and or do you recommend people wear body armor? And I'm curious to hear both on mm. and off the range. Um, so yeah, like that's a great question. I would say at one time, uh, as a lesser experienced instructor, I was more privy to do that because, you know, especially when you're working with students of a skill level that you don't really know, um, very well ahead of time. So you don't know who you're working with. And I would say that there was a lack of confidence in my skills as an instructor to be able to manage uh, risk or mitigate risk. Um, but uh, I, I would say that I don't necessarily have a recommendation for people, whether they wear body armor Um on or off the range. I think that's a decision everyone needs to make. I'd say where I am at, I don't really do it. Um, there's, there's a few public ranges. I've been tempted to wear body armor, even in recent history. Uh, maybe that's not a bad idea because you see all kinds of yokels shooting guns, but, uh, uh, but I'd say generally, no, I mean, but you got to make the decision for you. So as an instructor now, I feel a lot more like we have, I'm a lot more confident in the procedures that I put in place to ensure that, that I, that I and others are safe. What is one book that every gun owner should read? Practical shooting, Brian Enos. What's one book that every competitive shooter should read? Oh, well, there's that one, I guess. Uh, so let me throw back at you to the first question answer. Um, one book every gun owner should read. Hmm. How about Law of Self-Defense by, by Andrew Branca? Because like, I know that's not a gun book, but that is equally important to understand, if not more so, than how to shoot. So know the laws, and I, I can't think of a better book to explain the laws. Mm -hmm. The best or the book that every competitive shooter should read. And again, to this, I would I would actually amend that question to say the, the one book every shooter should read, not necessarily a competitive shooter, would be Brian Enos's book, Practical Shooting Beyond the fundamentals. Um, now I, uh, that with a caveat that there's going to be some stuff that you read in that book, that's going to go over your head and you're not going to comprehend until later on. And that's okay. So I'd recommend you read it multiple times, like a year apart for several years. I've read that book three times in the last 18 months. 
and each time I read it, I get different things out of it. It's like reading or studying the Bible, you know, and you're going through and you're like, huh, wow, that never stood out to me before, but now it does. It's because where you are in that moment in your life at that time is, is unique and different from where you were the previous time you read it. So your world experience has now fed into that differently. Your perspective is different. It's more broad. Uh, you've got greater wisdom to go along with now what you're reading. And so now other things stand out to you. Other connections are made. And so read Brian Enos's book, but, but just know that it's okay. Like you don't have to understand everything. Read it. Try to understand it. Take from it what you can go implement those things and then revisit it like a year later. And you're going to get more value out of it and more value again and again and again. You have five children. What do you say to people who say you have too many kids, man? (laughs) What do I say? I have too many kids. Uh, I guess I don't say anything. I don't know. Like, okay. Thanks for expressing your opinion. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So maybe a better Uh, question. What's it like to be a father of five? Busy. Hectic. I'm excited for them to go back to school next week. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love my kids. Um, You know, but you and I, we, we, we work mostly from home. Uh, so, you know, we try to, I try, I mean, I know you do too. You're just probably better at it than I am. Um, try to minimize the distractions to work from the home office. Uh, but that can be really challenging when there's six other people in this household that, you know, demand attention at various times. So, um, you know, but, but, but I love my kids and, you know, we got to be good parents. We got to be good fathers and mothers, uh, however many kids we have. And if we don't have any kids, like I hope that there are other people's children or other people just in general that you take under your wing and that you, you know, care for and mentor and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what life's all about is the, is the familial or family like relationships that we have. Um, you know, and broader than that, it's community and it's, it's nation and country. And like, you know, there's, there's a lot of problems in our current world, uh, that could be solved with people just going back to being, you know, having better families, uh, being better caretakers of one another. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't expect to go off on that tangent, but I love having five kids. I wouldn't trade any of them in. And, um, yeah, it's fun. It's never a dull moment. That's for sure. This is our last question, Riley. What is one message that you would like to give to every concealed carrier in America? Mm. One message. Um, I will take this opportunity to explain the motto that we close every podcast episode with train, right? Train often train safe, fight hard, fight fast, fight true, uh, train, right? 
means make sure you're training the right things in the right ways because practice, perfect practice makes perfect, right? Like if you're practicing wrongly, then that's not benefiting you. So train right. And that also means that you're putting in the, you're putting your, that you're, you're putting effort into your training. Uh, If you're not putting in effort, you don't get better. That's just a fact of life. No matter what it is you're trying to get better at train often, you need to be doing it often. Every day is the most ideal. Uh, multiple times a week, once a week, I don't know, whatever you can manage. And and you know, we have a specific way in our company that we define things like practice versus training versus learning. Uh, but I'm using this in a pretty broad sense. Train often. If that's 15 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day of dry fire practice, and you're only able to make it to the range once every two weeks, we'll do that, okay? And if you can up the number of times you can go to the range, you know, then work towards that. But, uh, you know, your current lifestyle may not permit that, and that's the way it goes. So do what you can do and do it often, because often is doing things often and with regularity uh, is how we get better at skills. Uh, train safe. That's pretty safe, self-explanatory. Uh, we need to be safe in all we do, but not just train in a manner of safety, but also train safety. Uh, practice proper gun handling with everything that you do. You pick up a, and this is not a cert pistol, but this is actually just a blank. Well, it's got a firearm control module, whatever FCU in there, but this is just a grip module, right? Every time you handle this, you know, point it in a safe direction. Only put your finger on the trigger when you are aiming it at a target that you've identified and determined that you can shoot that target. You know, just always be training safety so that it becomes second nature, subconsciously ingrained. Fight hard. Um, man, like I remember a lecture I went to when I was in law working in law enforcement in a part-time volunteer capacity. And I remember the presenter talking about that cops, this is not true for every cop that gets killed in the line of duty, but there are many, many, many examples of officers. And this could be said of anybody that finds himself in a fight to the death. Uh, But many officers are killed in the line of duty that give up at some point during the fight. So never give up, never give in, uh, fight for everything, you know, and, and make sure that you know, like, what is it, what is it that it, what's your mission? What's driving you? What's motivating you? What's most important to you? Well, I have a family. We just talked about five kids and, and I've loved them very dearly. And I want to make sure I'm there for them more than anything. I want to make sure I'm there for my kids. So like if something bad happens and you're in a deadly fight of some kind, don't ever stop fighting. Just, just keep fighting. All right. Um, at the very least, if you still don't come out victorious on the other side, well, you fought an honor, you, you died an honorable death. Uh, but don't, don't die a, a death and, uh, and it was the word ignominious death, right? A shameful death. Like give it everything 100% right up to the very end.
um, fight fast. Well, you know, work on being faster. Uh, work on your physical strength. Work on anything that helps you be faster. That's a good thing. And then fight true. And I, I think of that part of our motto or slogan as being making sure that you, you know the laws and that you're fighting, like that, that you're staying within the bounds of legal and moral slash ethical constraints in a fight. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I don't know, I don't remember if we've ever defined that or, very much in depth, or at least it's been a long time since we talked about those things, but that's what those things mean to me. So I know that's a long winded answer to what's the one thing I want to tell every concealed carrier in America, but I just want you to know, like there was, there was thought put into those words we say at the end of every episode. And I hope that you would apply those principles because if you do, I think you'll be better and stronger and, and wiser concealed carriers for it. Well, that was more than 60 seconds. So that's another another strike against your your sticker, but did I, did I get three strikes? Then yeah, th- three strikes. Yeah, I guess I'm that out. means you're, guess you're what? out. Podcast so is over. Like, that's right. This is the end of the show. We have to kick Riley out now because he got three strikes. But that we was a fantastic, fantastic response. And so, a reminder: today's episode is brought to you by Hunters HD Gold uh, Eyewear. You can find that at concealedcare.com forward slash Hunters HD and the Foundation Belt at concealedcare.com forward slash Foundation Belt. We appreciate yeah. Riley being a good sport with us today with this little role reversal and our rapid fire episode. Remember to subscribe to the show and to tell a friend, share it with somebody, make sure that everybody's growing and being better. Uh, you know, we, we can all improve and we all have spare time. We can be listening to something as awesome as this podcast. So please tell a friend, share it, send a link to somebody, uh, you know, maybe send it to a Facebook message or put it on your profile or something. Let's, let's reach more people and we appreciate everything that everyone does uh, as it relates to listening to our show and to uh, patronizing our company and buying things from our website and helping us out that way as well. So with that, thank you, Riley Bowman. Uh, people, you can learn more about Riley Bowman at concealedcare.com. Uh, thanks for being a guest on our show. Thanks for having me. My so Remember, pleasure. with that, this is the end of Episode 10, Season 3. Remember to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Take care. Thank you.